Thank you, Brother. Again tonight, it's good to be back with you and certainly trust that you have your Bibles with you. Trust that you can follow along as I deliver tonight what I feel like God has laid on my heart for tonight's service. Of course, this morning, talking about it's all about what He can do for us, in us, and through us. Uh, And tonight I want to talk and look at the work that only He can do, and that is entire sanctification. Do you know, you go and you study the Old Testament, you understand in all the laws of the Old Testament, even in the sacrificial laws that were given, there were sacrifices that that were given for the forgiveness of sins. They called that especially on once a year the great day of atonement. And of course they had sacrifices throughout the year that um, certainly you could present for your sins if you needed to throughout the year. The Bible specified that, but nowhere in the Old Testament will you find a sacrifice given by animals whereby an individual could be sanctified to prevent them from needing to come back year after year after year after year. But I, we know tonight that he died not only once and for all, he shed his blood so that we could have forgiveness of sins. The Bible clearly states he suffered without the gate even for our sanctification and even in the beginning if I'm not careful I'll get too ahead of myself I'll have us in the book of Romans in no time but I got some places for you to turn if you can we are going to begin in the gospel of John chapter 17 gospel of John chapter 17 and I'm just going to give you a few places to turn to so that you can follow along in some of these scriptures. Um, I won't give you every scripture that I will utilize tonight because uh, I don't want to keep you here all night. But with that being said, Gospel of John 17 is where we're going to begin. I would also like for you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. There has been times in preaching on entire sanctification. I don't know that I feel led to do it tonight, but and you all can thank the Lord for that, but there's a, a time that I walked through the entire book of 1 Thessalonians, okay? walk. It's a quick overview. I don't read every verse, every scripture, but in your uh, time of devotion in studying of the Word, uh, if you'll read the entire book of 1 Thessalonians, you will see Paul thanking God for their salvation, thanking God for their their beginning, but he talks to them about something lacking in their faith, and God wants to perfect that which is lacking in their faith, and he brings it uh, really to a culmination in chapter 5 where he talks about God sanctifying them wholly. That's one of the scriptures I will use tonight, but I'm not going to take the time, I don't believe tonight, to walk you through the entire book of 1 Thessalonians, so no need to turn there, but again, we're John chapter 17, we're Ephesians chapter 3, and then James chapter 4. We got to go there, okay? James chapter 4. We're going to have to go to James chapter 4. And if the Lord will allow me, we'll go to the gospel of Luke chapter 11. Gospel of Luke chapter 11. I got a lot of ground to cover. (laughs) 
you pray for me and we'll get through this. Uh, But I want you to mind God. I want you to obey the Holy Spirit. So I guess tonight I could really begin this by asking two simple questions. Question number one is, are you saved? Do you know that you're born again, that your name's written down in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know tonight I'm glad we can know some things. I'm glad we can know that he said if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad tonight we can know that we're saved by the grace of God, saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is not by works. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. And I'm glad tonight we can be saved. And if you're not saved, can I ask you a question? Why not? (laughs) Why not? Give your life to Jesus Christ. I can tell you it's the best life to live. Uh, That kind of second question tied in with the first. So I'm going to ask you another one. Are you sanctified? Are you sanctified? Have you gone on into holiness? Do you know? And I hope that I can portray this through the scriptures tonight that when you get saved God wants his fullness to abide in you and he wants to bring you to the work of entire sanctification what is sanctification well to sanctify as you study your Bible you will find out throughout the entire Old Testament when things were sanctified they were set aside for God's work and God's work only and Belshazzar in the book of Daniel found out what happened happens when you take what God has sanctified as holy and begin to mix it with the secular. For those of you that know where I'm at in the book of Daniel, Belshazzar seen the writing on the wall as the hand said that you are weighed in the balances and have come up wanting because you just don't mix that which is holy with that which is secular. And so with that being said, when things were sanctified, they were set set aside for God's will. Are you sanctified? Are you set aside and totally devoted to the will of God? Because we find, and I know I'm just trying to save us some time later on and lay in this foundation, okay? Our young people find out when you get saved. Paul talks about it in the book of Galatians. Uh, there's a war within. Uh, that, And Paul talks about it again in Romans chapter 7. I may end up there. I don't know. But but there's a there can be a battle within. And it's up and it's down and it's in and it's out. But God wants us to be settled. And can I tell you, he can do more for us than we could ever imagine. Again, capitalizing on this morning's message, it's not what we can do. It's what he can do in us, for us, and through us. It's his work, and I hope to show you that it's his will tonight. Beginning in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's your word, and we understand and Know tonight that it is forever settled in heaven. And just like you, it changes not the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And Lord, as we open again your holy word, I pray that you would yet again open our minds, open our hearts, help us to receive your engrafted word with meekness and help us to not only be hearers of the word, but to be doers as well, to apply it to the very life that we live, that we might conform to your will and be like you. And so Lord, I'm praying your anointing upon the giving of your word. Bless it to your people tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So 
so sanctification, Jesus said himself, uh, for uh, it says that he always did those things uh, that the Father wanted him to do. In John chapter 8, he said, I please the Father, and so he dwelleth with me. And so it's a matter of being sanctified. And so I want you to see here that it is God's will for you to be sanctified. Gospel of John chapter 17. I'm going to pick up in verse 13. We call this the high priestly prayer is Jesus as our high priest is making intercession for his disciples to the Father. He says in this prayer in verse 13 of chapter 17, And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I just want to take a moment to say he wants his joy to be fulfilled in you. Uh, You know, there's a lot of misconceptions about God in this world. I want you to know God wants us to have joy in our hearts. Uh, And so he wants his joy to be fulfilled in themselves. He said, I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, But thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Do you know he has the power tonight to keep you? He's got the power tonight to keep you in his divine love and grace. Uh, He says they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Look at verse 17 of chapter 17. Sanctify them. Through thy truth, thy word is truth. Remember, Jesus is praying for his disciples. Sanctify them. Through thy truth, thy word is truth. And as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. And now listen to what he says now. There might be somebody here that say, well, you know, Brother Stevens, that's great. But he's praying for his disciples. That was back then. Does it apply to me now? Well, hold on a minute. Let's go on in our reading. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Do you know that comes down generation after generation after generation to rate where we are? It is the promise to us and to our children as the prophet of the Old Testament said. I want you to know it applies to tonight. It's his prayer for us. Do you know it's not the will of the Father that any should perish? That's what it says in the scriptures. It's not the will of God that any perish. God takes no uh, uh, joy in the death of the wicked. God takes no joy in it. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And that's why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that includes all of us, believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, And not only is it his will for all to be saved, it's his will for all to be sanctified. And that's what he says here. And that's, that's how he is praying. And this prayer applies to us tonight. And it says why in verse 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I wrote a note in my Bible just because it's what Christ is getting to. 
a partaker of the divine presence in our lives, a partaker of the divine nature. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one that the world may know thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I want you to know it is God's will that we be sanctified. As I've already said, Hebrews 13, 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. First Thessalonians 4 and 3 tells us, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. First Thessalonians 5 and 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. The very God of peace sanctify you holy. Now hold on. There's a promise that comes with that. Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. Well, hold on a minute. Let's keep it in context of what it says. Uh, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and uh, that faithful is he who calleth you. What's he calling you to? Entire sanctification. Who also will do it. Who does it? He does it. That's why Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, because that is what is acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God in Christ Jesus so it's his power that is able to work in us uh, and he is able to accomplish for us what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. Book of Ephesians chapter 3. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3, again, I am on the thought of, uh, does God want me to be sanctified? I think it's pretty plain. I think I've already maybe have pointed that out. But in case there be any doubt in anybody's mind tonight, in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, I want to begin, let's uh, look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which path this knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He wants all his fullness to dwell in you and so if you want all of him all you got to do is give them all of you. Not 90%, not 98%, not 99 or 99.9 to give him all of you. And now hold on, there's a promise that comes with this. We know this promise. Most of you can quote this by heart. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Who's 
power, his power. So he wants all his fullness to dwell in us. Well, let's go to chapter 4 of Ephesians real quick. Let's, does God want me to be sanctified? Well, he tells us in verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us, again, here it is, to have all the fullness of Christ. Chapter 3 was that we might have all the fullness of God. Chapter 4 is that we might have all the fullness of Christ. If you go on and read, it talks about so we are not uh, tossed to and fro. Uh, So as I mentioned earlier, we're not up and down, but we are settled and rooted and grounded in the Word of God. He wants us to have all the fullness of Christ. And we can go into chapter 5 where he tells us, be not drunk with wine, in his excess but be ye filled with the spirit he wants you to have all of him and all he's got to have to do that is all of us and so I think tonight it's pretty plain and pretty evident that God wants us to be sanctified well okay I could see maybe that that's his will But why do I need to be sanctified? Why does it need to apply to me? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's why we're going to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Uh-oh. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Wow. James is writing to the church. He's writing to the dispersed. He says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Now, I know we look at that word kill and we think, Well, I haven't murdered anybody. No, hold on a minute. That word, if you look at up in the original, it kind of is synonymous with envy, okay? Uh, can I give you a little idea? Oh, we got a, we got a, okay, parents, we got a lot of parents here. I thank the Lord for all the kids we have in the house of the Lord, amen? And some of you are getting everyday education as you're raising kids. I know we've been there, done that. And uh, with that being said, uh, let me maybe give you this idea of kill envy that is being used in this scripture, Um, mom's in the kitchen and she's preparing the meal and of course there's the cookies over on the counter and uh, uh, little, little, can I call him Johnny comes in and Johnny comes in, decides he wants him a cookie and mama sees him reaching up for the cookie. She said, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. You got to wait till after you eat your dinner before you can have any of those. And so, with that little poochy lip out of the kitchen, he goes uh, pouting. Well, in comes his little sister. Let's call her Sally. Sally comes in, and mom's busy in the kitchen, and mom doesn't even catch Sally. Sally's pretty quick. And she sees those cookies and she thinks, oh, I'm going to get me one of those. And so Sally reaches up and grabs one, unbeknown to mom, and she walks out of the kitchen over into the living room eating a cookie. Johnny sees his sister. Well, that's not right. And so Johnny comes right back into the kitchen and reaches up and mom sees him and says, didn't I tell you no? He said, Sally did it. That envy. 
just killed that whole situation. If I can't have it, nobody can. If I don't get my way, then just uh, just so be it that nobody's going to get it. I'll show you. This is the attitude that James is talking about. And where does this come from? Come it not hints of our own lust that war in our members? Okay, so I need to get back to the foundation of things, all right? Adam's sin, carnal nature. We were all born with a carnal nature. Uh, we are born, Job says, in a trouble as the sparks fly upwards. And uh, so, so let's just take for a moment, who taught these kids? Mine! Oh. You know, you're over there playing in the living room and parents, for the first time, you witness one sibling reaching over and smacking another sibling and going, Mine! Who taught them that? I hope it wasn't mom and dad. <laughs> you see, there's a carnal nature in us that if we're not careful, parents, we can feed. Because you know what kids learn real quick? Wah can be very powerful. Wah, watch this. Wah, and here comes mom. Oh, 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 what is it? Now, my wife, I, I don't know how she did it. Some of you moms, I don't know how you do it. But she would hear one of our kids cry when they were little, and she would, she would just know they need a diaper change. How'd you get that out of that? But here comes mom, and mom comes, pick them up, cleans their, uh, changes their diaper and cleans them up, and, and, and happy to have the attention. And all of a sudden, here we go again. Oh, must need another diaper change. No, no, they're hungry. How did you get that out of wham? I don't know. Mother's intuition can be something sometimes, okay? And so here, here comes mom again. Oh. Kids are learning. Kids are soaking this thing up. (laughs) Kind of like some of our cell phones. (laughs) Be a great ringtone, wouldn't it? (laughs) Uh, And they learn. If I cry, I get my way. And so all I got to do is cry. And so watch this. I'm going to climb to the tops of my high chair. I'm going to scale to the heights of my playpen. And I'm going to scream and I'm going to watch the world come running to me. And then they get a little older. Aisle 17 at Walmart. Nobody's ever witnessed that, have they? I want no. All of a sudden, we got a scene in the middle of Walmart. I want my way. I want what I want. And unless this thing gets dealt with, the longer it goes on, the uglier it gets. Oh, the teenage years. I know we got a lot of teenagers here. Parents, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say the dark ages. I raised two. They're 23 and 22 now, and well, you'll hear things like, I just want to do what I want to do. 
And as a parent, you're going, I know, but you don't understand. That is not going to lead to anything healthy or right. And, and I want, and let me tell you, if it doesn't get put in check by the power of God, and it goes on, and it goes on into the adult years. And let me tell you, the longer it goes on, the uglier it gets. And can I tell you, if it's never checked, the longer you think it's ugly at 16 or 18, it's ugly at 30, it's ugly at 40, it's ugly at 70, let me tell you, my way, self-will, carnal nature, if left unchecked, is ugly. And James says, listen, from whence come these wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence of the lust that war in your members? Let's just go on and read out of James chapter 4. I've already read, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. And you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God do you think that the scripture saith in vain uh, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy I like what he says in verse 6 but he giveth more grace wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you look at this in verse 8 cleanse your hands you sinners that's the first work and purify your hearts you double minded that's the second work be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he uh, shall lift you up. Uh, you see what you find is that um, when you get saved that's why the Bible uses the terminology Jesus said it himself lest a man be born again he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so you must be born again. So when you get saved when your sins are forgiven and you are born again born anew from above uh, you know it's kind of amazing to me uh, I remember when my children were born. I remember when they uh, came into the room and they, they asked what we were naming them. And, of course, I gave them my son's name when he was born. And I gave them my daughter's name when she was born. And they wrote those names down. I told them how to spell them to make sure they got the spelling correct on that. And, and you know, I, I want you to know, I remember that day. I, I remember, as a matter of fact, it was... Uh, when Seth, my firstborn, came into this world, it was a little eerie. His eyes were open, and I was not expecting that, okay? He was looking around the room like this, and he wasn't making a bit of noise, and I thought, well, this is eerie, okay? And I just wondered, and then they took him over there, and back then they didn't mind throwing the little baby on a cold scale, and so when he hit that cold scale, I heard, I thought, well, that's not too bad. <laughs> he said, wait till the lungs develop. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> but with that being said, I remember being in such awe. The doctor's like, well, everybody's outside the room anticipating. Are you going to, oh, it's a boy. And when you say it's a boy, of course, there's, there's rejoicing on the other side of the doorway. And they take their names down. And somewhere their, their names 
Psalms are stored in the, in, the, in the records of the United States of America to say that they are U.S. citizens and they are born with all the benefits of being a U.S. citizen. But can I tell you, even greater than that tonight, Jesus said that the angels of heaven rejoice more over one sinner that repenteth when somebody gets born again. I don't know how it happens, but somewhere in heaven there's an ink pen that comes out and writes their name down in a Lamb's book of life. And as the angels are rejoicing, can I tell you, we are born from above with all the benefits of heaven. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for new creature, new creation. Thank God for a new life. And as you walk in the light and you're walking that new life, all of a sudden you realize that there's an old man still hanging around. You know, I kind of laugh at our terminology sometimes because you got to understand, I, I didn't know nothing when I got saved, okay? And I just wonder how sometimes people think when, when all of a sudden we, we begin to sing in the church and, and, and we talk about praise God for sinners slain. And that guy that never been to church before <laughs> knows he's a sinner and that's why he come to church and everybody's already singing about sinners being slain. <laughs> I wonder if they get uncomfortable. <laughs> Blood, sinners slain. That <laughs> maybe ought to get right. And then somebody testifies about the old man dying and everybody starts shouting, praise the Lord, oh no. <laughs> Our terminology sometimes, we take a lot for granted in this world. I want you to know, but, uh, but we find that there's an old man. You see, that's the way we've always done things. And all of a sudden, there's a new babe that says, no, we don't do that anymore. And there begins to be a struggle. Paul talks about this. The flesh warreth against the spirit, and the spirit warreth against the flesh, and they are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. I want you to know, Paul, uh, the apostle in chapter 7, oh, 6, 7, and 8, theologically, you've got you to gotta study that, wrap your brain around that. 6, 7, and 8 of the book of Romans is, I think, one of the most crucial theological chapters when it comes to what Jesus actually did for us on the cross. For you see, Paul says, I'm going to speak to those that know the law. And in chapter 7, he gives a, a very plain uh, account of as long as, as a woman is married to a man, they are bound by that covenant for as long as the husband liveth. And if the husband dies, she is free to marry another. But if the, the husband liveth, she be married to another. She commits the act of adultery. And Paul is using this. And let me tell you what he says. Listen, this is, oh, I, I'm probably giving you too much tonight, but just bear with me, okay? Bear with me. The law came and was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Okay, what the law did, again, it's probably a little much. I'm going to try to move on and not linger here too long. But what the law did was it exposed our sin. Paul said, I knew no sin until the law came. And when the law came, I found myself under sin. But while the law exposed the sin, there was a sacrificial law that was given so that we could have forgiveness of sins under the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament, by the blood of bulls and the blood of goats. But they could not do what Christ had done in the New Testament. That's why every year they had to go back with the blood of bulls and the blood 
blood of goats. And Paul is speaking into this in chapter 7. And he said, those things I knew not to do, those were the things that I did. And in those things I knew to do, those were the things that I didn't do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he goes on and he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, this is kind of a rough scripture. I think it's Romans chapter 7 verse 25. It's the last verse of chapter 7. And it's kind of a hard scripture for us to understand because of the way chapters and verses are given in the Bible. I want you to understand in the original manuscripts there were no chapters or verses but we can thank God for chapters and verses because otherwise how in the world would you know where to go to follow along with me in the Bible if I just said okay let's turn to the book of Romans. Go to uh, paragraph 398. (laughs) Thank God for chapters and verses, okay? But chapter 7 ends with Paul saying, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord that with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Hold on a minute. You think Paul's thanking God for serving the law of sin in the flesh? No. What he is doing at the end of chapter 7 is saying, I found the problem. I found the problem. And you know, when you find the problem, you can do something with it. Okay, hold on a minute. Us men have a problem. And the women said, amen. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay. You need to go get that checked out. No, I'm fine. I'll be all right. I don't need no doctor. No, I'm good. No, it'll be okay. It'll go away. Don't worry about it. I'm all right. (laughs) And as long as we are in that mindset that there's nothing wrong, we're never going to find help. But the day we go, you know what? Maybe there is something wrong with me. You know, this really isn't normal, and maybe I need to go get this checked out. And, and so once you finally come to that realization, you'll, you'll finally go to find a solution because now you've recognized that there's a problem. Paul says, I have found the problem that with my mind I was serving the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. But I found the problem, and I want you to know there is a remedy, and that's why he goes right into chapter 8 and verse Verse 1 and says, therefore now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the, the, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed me from the law of sin and death. Now hold on, I don't want to go too fast because I want you to grab this. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending forth his son in the likeness of sin and for sinful flesh condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. What he is saying is what the law could never do. Jesus Christ has done on Calvary's hill. What the law could not accomplish, Christ has accomplished and we're living in this day of grace where we can have the fullness of the spirit of God so we can walk in the spirit so that we do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We mortify the deeds of the body that we might glorify him by walking in the fullness of the spirit of God who has given us his all and so tonight understand there is a remedy to the battle 
of the flesh warring against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And James said, cleanse your hands, you sinners. That's the first work. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's the second work. And I want you to know, it is not optional. Bear with me. There's a scripture in our Bible that sometimes gets taken out of context, but I want to make sure we keep it in context. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Without holiness. Does that mean if I'm not sanctified, I can't go to heaven? Hold on. Bear with me. When you get saved, your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And when you walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of his dear son. Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Everybody with me? First John. Okay. So if we walk in the light, you know what he's doing? He is guiding you to a work of entire sanctification. And I don't know if that takes a week, and I don't know if that takes a month. I don't know if that takes a year. I don't know if that takes five years. I don't know because it's different for everybody, okay? My counsel to you is walk in all the light you have. If you are walking in all the light you have, you're okay. You're going to make heaven. But you see, when you come to the light of holiness, and I've seen people do this, when they come to the light of holiness and they begin to back away, and they refuse to go on into holiness. And I've counseled a lot of people on this. And why won't you go on into entire sanctification? You know what I've heard some people say? I'm afraid of what God might ask me to do. Why? Do you know God's got your best interest in mind? He loves you and he knows the plans that he has for you. They're good thoughts to give you an expected end. He know, and he wants to help. Why would you be afraid of what God might ask you to do? But hold on, there's also this side. I'm afraid of what I might have to give up. And what you're telling God is I love this a little more than I love you. And I'm afraid if I go all the way, you're going to make me surrender this. Can I tell you, God will not ask you to surrender anything that's going to be to your benefit. But if it's going to be to your detriment, he might ask you to surrender that. He might ask you to give that freely to him. And so there's that war on the inside, but God is guiding you to the work of entire sanctification where he wants to sanctify you wholly. Because let me tell you, going back to the Old Testament for a minute, there was never a sacrifice that could keep them throughout the year. Can I tell you in the New Testament, we have something that can keep us, not only throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year, he can keep us. If we'll keep ourselves in the love of God, he is able to keep us by his power for what is in God's hand cannot be plucked out, but you can willfully walk out and you can willfully back away and you can willfully backslide. And when you refuse to go on in to what God is guiding you to, you begin your backsliding ways. Can I say it like this maybe? Sometimes this walk is like climbing a greased pole. If you're not climbing, you're sliding. Okay? Can I just tell you, don't pull back on holiness. Don't do like they did in the Old Testament when they come up to the Canaan land and they come back and said, it's too great, we can't do it. You're right, you can't do it, but Joshua and Caleb had it right. God can. God can 
do it. And so don't be like an unbelieving generation and back away and wander and perish in a wilderness. Go on into holiness. Let God have his will and way. Surrender your all to him. That's why Galatians, I read that verse this morning, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not me that lives. It's Christ that's living in me and the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I like what he ends that with. I do not frustrate the grace of God. I don't want to frustrate the grace of God. So, moving on. That's why we need entire sanctification. Well, Brother Ron, can God sanctify me? Gospel of Luke chapter 11. Gospel of Luke chapter 11. I'm going to pick up in verse 9. Verse 9 of the Gospel of Luke chapter 11 says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Anybody ever been out calling in the community? I've been out calling, and I've been out calling with different people, you know, and we have different people of different makeups, you know. Some of us are not as outgoing. Some of us are a lot more reserved, and let me tell you, uh, I've seen people in my church go calling, and bless their heart, they went, but oh my, you don't know how much of a battle it was for them to go up to a doorway to somebody they don't know, and they're going to invite them to church, (laughs) Nobody's home. (laughs) You need to knock. You you need to knock. (laughs) Boop. No, no, no. And all of a sudden the door opens. Uh oh. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) Yeah, I'm from the church down the road. No, Jesus said, if you'll knock, it shall be opened unto you. I remember years ago. uh, This is one of those one moments I wish my wife was here. She would just be shaking her head. Yeah, but I remember we were going calling on somebody. It was somebody that was attending the church. I was pastoring actually at that time in Bloomfield. And I went to go visit somebody. And uh, uh, they hadn't been to church for a couple weeks. I really felt impressed. I need to go call on them. So I went up there and I knocked on the door. There was no answer, and it's kind of ironic because the car wasn't even in the driveway. We know what car they drove, and it wasn't in the driveway, and here I am still at the door knocking. And my wife's looking at me going, not home, hello. And there was something in me that said, keep knocking. So I knocked a little louder, boom, 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 boom. And I waited a little while, no answer, so I knocked a little louder. Boom, 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 boom. No answer. My wife's looking at me like, what are you doing? So finally, because of the persistent look of my wife, I went back to the car. And I stopped before opening the door. And I looked through the window at her. And I said, he's in there. She said, the car's not here. He's not home. I said, no, he's in there. Just felt like God was telling me he was in there. And it was a mobile home. And let me tell you, I started on one end. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, around the back end. Boom, 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 around the whole back side of the trail. Boom, 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 boom. I come around the front side. Boom, boom, boom. Finally, the door opened up and he goes, What? Scotty, how you doing? <laughs> Good to see you. He, he 
was in there. And I want you to know we were able to go in. We had a good talk with him. I actually got to pray with him and had a good visit. But let me tell you, it happened because somebody was willing to knock. How much do you want it? How much are you willing to knock? Jesus said, if you ask, you shall receive. If you'll seek, you shall find. If you knock, it shall be opened unto you. If a son, in verse 11, shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Can I tell you tonight, God's not playing hard to get. God's not playing hard to get. He wants you to have it more than you want you to have it. (laughs) He wants you to have his fullness. He wants to dwell in you by his fullness. He's got a work that only he can do. You can't do it for yourself. It's his power. It's his work. It's his will. And he wants to do it for you. So yes, God can sanctify you wholly. He is able. I just feel led to close with a certain scripture out of the Gospel of John. I wasn't really planning on going here, but I just feel led to go here. And in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 15. It tells us about John the Baptist that says, John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is before me because he was before me. And I want you to see what verse 16 says. Now, John, the, 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 the disciple that is writing this, is testifying. And look what he says in verse 16. And of his fullness have all we received. And grace for grace. That means he's got grace on top of grace. That means he is able. Jesus gave us a scripture that sometimes is hard to understand. And in that scripture he says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Well, that's a little hard to understand, isn't it? The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Luke gives it to us in a, in a little different way that helps us give a little bit more understanding. And the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. Every man presseth into it. You heard the song, I think we sing this, maybe some of your kids have sung this. Uh, Can't get to heaven in a rocking chair. A rocking chair won't get you there. Sometimes it's just going to be sheer determination. Sometimes it's going to be sheer walking by faith. Uh, Sometimes it's just going to be given all you've got. And so Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violent, and the violent take it by force. Uh, The gospel of Luke, Luke terms it as this, and saying the kingdom of heaven is preached, and every man presseth into it. Can I just give you the idea what this is like? Can I set the stage for you for a moment? Bear with me. Let's name the day. Or let's name the place first. Let's call it Walmart. We've got a lot of Walmart shoppers, I guess, in the Holiness Church, so we'll call it Walmart. Let's name the time 4 a.m. 
Let's name the date. Black Friday. You've already cased it out. You already know what the sale's going to be. And you already know it's on aisle 26. You know it's the second shelf up halfway down. And here you are, 4 a.m. in the parking lot waiting. Oh, you can't wait for those doors to open. You're coming in to get what you're after. I feel sorry for that poor store clerk that has to unlock those doors. Now, he's looking at the crowd, and they're looking at him. He knows he can't get out of the way quick enough, and they say, now. And he goes over, and he unlocks that door. And look out, because here they come after what they want. Jesus said, if you'll want it, you'll come and get it. Nobody's going to stop you from having it. And can I tell you, it's the best thing this side of heaven. God wants you to have it. God's got the power to give it to you. And if you want it, you'll come and get it. Let us stand as we close. Can I tell you, as we preach this morning, there was more than enough food to feed the multitude. I want you to know the woman at the well found that there's more than just water in a well. There's a river flowing. And I want you to know tonight there is a work of entire sanctification that he can work in your heart and life that can get you rooted, grounded, and established in his divine love and grace. It's not what you can do. It's what he can do. It's what he can do in you. It's what he can do through you. It's what he can do for you. And if you want it and you need it and you recognize it tonight, the altar is open. Come and get it. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, are you saved? Are you saved? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? If you're not tonight, why not? Let's keep the first things first. If you need to get saved, he loves you, he cares for you, and he's able to forgive you and deliver you. And tonight, are you sanctified? Have you crawled up on that old rugged cross and allowed yourself to be crucified with Christ? Does he have all of you? It is his will. For your life. Faithful is he who is calling you tonight. Who also will do it. And now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or thank. He is able. And if you desire it. Come and get it. Anybody else tonight want to seek the Lord while he may be found? Call upon him while he is near. You found the problem. God has pinpointed it. And now it's time to do something about it by his divine grace. If any others need to come, mind the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, tonight we thank you for the faithfulness of your word, thy word is truth, and you said sanctify them, Father, through thy truth, thy word is truth. And Lord, tonight we know it's your will that all of us would have all of you. And Lord, tonight we don't want to leave a one out, and while we thank you for the souls that are here, Lord, that God... uh, 
If there's anyone else, God, that needs to get something settled, Lord, if they need to get established, God, if they need to drive the spiritual stake tonight once and for all and to declare that they are determined by your grace, they've made up their mind, they're going to live for you, they're going to serve you, they're going to be a vessel meet for your use. So, Father, if there be anybody else tonight that needs to come down and humble themselves before you, we know that you said if we would humble ourselves in due season, you would lift us up Uh, and so Lord we ask that your will take place in all of our hearts and lives and that God you would sanctify to the uttermost tonight uh, those that come unto faith to you we know that you will in no wise cast out Uh, so God we thank you for your word we thank you for your will we thank you for your love and we thank you for the power that you give to us in Jesus name